When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. Brick Cider, a family-owned restaurant and cidery in Mount Horeb, is not your average operation. I'm Taylor Schaefer for the Midwest Farm Report. After experimenting with ciders for over 10 years, Marie and Matt Raboyan decided to take their love for home brewing to the next level as commercial business owners. They have worked with local orchards and farmers from southwestern Wisconsin where they source their inputs, allowing their menu to change based on what's available that week. Marie shares more about how Brick Cider really began and how they were able to transform an idea into a reality. My husband Matt and I, we were kind of classic Wisconsin home brewers where we enjoyed making home wines like dandelion wine or making beer. And it kind of just, it grew as we moved away from Wisconsin, I'd say. So he was working for the State Department and we moved to Washington, D.C. for a couple years. And I think we were probably just homesick. And one of the things that made us feel better was having good things to drink that we made. And so we bought an apple press and visited a bunch of cideries and started making our own cider um, in our apartment in Washington, D.C. And then we actually ended up, so he was with USAID, and we moved to Malawi, which is a really beautiful little country in sub-Saharan Africa. And we were there for about two years in the same thing where we just really kind of doubled down and made a lot of different homebrews out of the local fruit that we could find around us. And so it kind of went from there. And by the time we moved back home to Iowa County, we lived in Barneveld at the time, we just kept going and decided to try and make a commercial product. We started in about 2016. And by 2017, we had our first commercial batch of cider. We rented winery space in Stoughton. Um, We had the help of Small Business Development Center and UW's Food and Finance Institute. It just kind of kept going. We, you know, we delivered all of our own product for the first couple years and started out in probably about 20 small liquor stores and grocery stores around Madison. And you mentioned how you really transformed from an at-home brewery to more of a commercial operation. But can you touch on where you source all of your apples? How do you really incorporate different ingredients into your ciders and how do they move through bricks? Yeah, so one of the ways or one of the things we really focused on is sourcing all of our raw product as locally as we can. And so to date, I'm guessing we've sourced apples from about 24 different orchards in Wisconsin. All of our apples have come from Wisconsin. Uh, most have come from really, I would say, within a 30-mile radius of Mount Horeb. And then we have a few orchards that we've sourced from in the Gaze Mills area, of course. And then we have an orchard that we work with up in Baraboo. And then there's um, St. Coletta, which is this, it's a whole institution in the town of Jefferson, but They have a very old, very cool orchard at St. Coletta, and so that would be over in Jefferson County, which would be about as as far away as we go. And the way that we've done it is, you know, we're intent on using, using fruit that would otherwise maybe not get used, and so a lot of the orchards we source from are... I would say, quote unquote, abandoned or I wouldn't say totally abandoned, but, you know, undermanaged orchards that maybe the couple used to run a U-pick for, you know, 20 years or so, but then kind of retired. And the thing with perennials is they keep growing apples, whether you take care of them or not. 
And so we'll often go and, and kind of glean apples from orchards that are not managed. Or one of our main sources of apples is from a commercial orchard called Munchkey Apples, which is um, just south of Mount Horeb. And Laura Tish is the owner, and she markets all her apples commercially, which means she grades out anything that doesn't meet a certain quality criteria. And over the years, we have bought every apple that Laura can't use, which is incredible for us in that we have a really solid source of apples, but also gives her a financial outlet for her second apples, which normally, you know, maybe she can get a couple bucks a bushel to send them somewhere and they make them into juice or something. But it kind of gives her more money for her apples and it gives us a really solid source of apples every fall. And to keep on that track of sustainability, let's pivot and talk a little bit about your farm-to-table menu. How does the menu change throughout the year, and what have you really done to adjust to the different products that you're able to get from producers in your area? At Bricks, we take the farm-to-table that really seriously. We, I mean, for the most part, I can say that I really know every farmer that we source from, especially meat. If there's one thing that I think as a society we can be really conscious about, it's where we get our meat from. It's something that we eat all year round. It's not seasonal all the time. Um, And most farmers are really open to having you visit their farm. So the one thing I can say about our meat products is that I've set foot on every farm that we source meat from. Most of them, I can say, are friends of mine, like, you know, pretty close friends. And, um, and that goes for a lot of our vegetable producers as well. We've known these folks for years. Um, they sell at our local farmer's market. Uh, one of the models that I think is really fun that we've developed over the past couple of years with one of our vegetable farmers called Squashington Farm. The Mount Horeb Farmer's Market is on Thursday night. And when they break down for the night, they basically take what they couldn't sell at the market and send us a text and say, hey, we're going to drop all this stuff in your cooler. And, you know, nine times out of ten, we can we can use everything they're going to bring over. You know, they won't drop us like 100 pounds of turnips. You know, they'll be nice and maybe bring us a case of turnips. But we've worked out a model with them, and our chefs are really good at adapting to what's in season. And so they kind of show up on a Tuesday or, or a Friday and are like, okay, so this is what we have to work with for the week. And, and the other thing that has been really great is we found a, a local distributor. It's called Co-op Partners Warehouse, and they've been really important for us kind of getting some of our more commercial products like our cheeses and milk and half and half and cream, which you really have to go through a distributor for. You're not going to often be able to source directly from a farm, but um, we've been able to use a couple very particular distributors to keep with our farm-to-table model. In a world where supply chain disruptions have really impacted every business, what have you done at Bricks to kind of keep up with increasing demand at your store in Mount Horeb? Are there any supplies that you haven't been able to get a hold of, or is it more just being creative with your business model to utilize all the inputs that you can get your hands on? Yeah, the supply chain, you know, is a little aside. I will say, like, during COVID, I know restaurants and people who typically store grocery stores, right, we're running out of food. Like you could go to the grocery store and you couldn't find hamburger. Well, one thing we always had was hamburger because we were getting it from local farmers who weren't dependent on JBS or Tyson to slaughter their animals. They were dependent on our on our local meat processing facilities like Prem or Baraboo or Nordic Meats out in Viroqua. When you keep your money close, those supply chains weren't weren't a problem. So I had very little problem during the pandemic ever sourcing any raw food materials. 
the only thing we ever really struggled with, to be honest, was like our glass bottles. I think we had to like switch brands, which is a bit of a pain in a manufacturing system because bottle sizes obviously can mess with your, your automated equipment. I mean, that was a bit of a problem. But I mean, the farmers around me were always able to supply what we needed. So we never had shortages. And to be honest with you, until recently, we didn't see price prices go up during COVID either, because for the most part, farmers had already locked in any of their fertilizer feed costs for the year. Now we're seeing some of our prices come up and we'll adjust accordingly. But we, I think we weathered the storm probably better than most because we were able to just you know, count on our local community to supply us with what we needed. Again, that's Marie Raboyne, an owner of Brick Cider, who says they turned seconds from local producers into unique ciders and menu options for customers to enjoy. Having these local partnerships not only shortens their food supply chain, but she says also left them in a better place during the pandemic as they were more able to adapt to differing ingredients no matter what time of year. You can find more information at BrickCider.com or by visiting their storefront just west of Madison in Mount Horeb. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Taylor Schaefer.